0: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Shira Schoenberg. Now that the presidential election is over, Massachusetts Democrats will turn their attention to another election, the race for chair of the State Democratic Party, which will be decided at a state committee meeting on November 12th. Gus Bickford has been the state party chair since 2016, and he's seeking another four-year term. Challenging him are Mike Lake, president and CEO of the nonprofit Weeding Cities, and Bob Massey who has led several organizations related to climate change and corporate responsibility. Thank you to all three candidates for joining me. Gus, why should state committee members give you a second term?
1: Sure, thank you. And thank you so much for uh, hosting this this evening. Um, I- believe that I am best suited uh, to lead the party uh, in the next uh, four years, but specifically in the next two, uh, to take back the corner office. Um, I've been doing politics now for over 30 years. It's something that's in my blood and I have a lot of passion for. And in the last four years as chair, I think we've had a tremendous amount of success in the party. Uh, We have flipped nine seats. Uh, We've uh, flipped three county seats, nine seats in the legislature, three county seats. Um, we've also built up a great uh, grassroots organization um, and um, had some of the most diverse coordinated campaigns and staff, uh, the party scene. Um, but the one thing that we were not able to achieve was the corner office and 2018. And I really look forward to that challenge and know what we need to do better. So um, it's going to start with a, a, you know, a a year and a half of leading up. And uh, I think that someone who has the experience of being here before and knowing what we need to do is a good place um, to start. So I look forward to the challenge and frankly, um, hope to, you know, gain reelection.
0: Bob, you ran for governor in 2018, but you lost in the Democratic primary. You didn't raise a huge sum of money for your campaign. Why should Democrats believe that you would be a better chair than Gus?
2: Well, uh, first of all, I wanna say that I appreciate everything Gus has done. Uh, My concern is that uh, Gus is focused on fairly narrow part of the job. It is important to win elections, that's part of our charter, but we also need to be building up the party. And there are tremendous structural problems that uh, Gus has either not noticed or that he has been unable to address. We're not bringing in new people. We're not registering significant new voters. We have uh, thousands of uh, young people who feel frustrated and do not look to the party as a place for leadership or participation. Uh, Our fundraising has fallen off. Uh, And yes, I I ran for governor and I have to say that uh, uh, the support and preparation to help candidates for governor was really pretty minimal. Uh, Now, of course, uh, the party waits until we have a nominee, but there are many other things that can be done to sort of Uh, prepare uh, the ground for a challenge to Charlie Baker. That didn't happen. Um, And then again, Gus had a terrible time raising money. You know, it is hard to raise money when the papers were constantly saying, uh, this guy is the most famous uh, and popular governor in the history of the universe. But just by contrast, I've raised tens of millions of dollars over the years. And one occasion I raised $200,000 in a single lunch and $750,000 in a single phone call. So I know how to raise money, but money comes when you have exciting ideas and when you are really leading for the future. And that's what I think that party is not doing. It's actually getting weaker And as a result, I think we're poorly positioned uh, to win the governorship unless we make some significant changes and improvements uh, immediately.
0: So we'll definitely get back to some of those points. But first, Mike, I want to give you a chance to introduce yourself and a similar question to you. You've run unsuccessfully for auditor and for lieutenant governor, both times losing in the Democratic primaries. Why should state committee members pick you to build up their party? Sure.
3: Well, first of all, I... I uh, did join the party ten years ago, and and with the idea that the party needed to be changed, and I thought I could help affect that change from within. And what I've come to learn is that the only way the party changes is if the chair wants it to change. So that has led me to this point in time where it's it's this moment Uh, we need to change the party. Uh, You know, in the last four years, that. Uh, We have seen such heightened uh, increases in activism, not just here in Massachusetts, across the country, from an inauguration that had more people protesting it than attending it to the Black Lives Matter movement that is now the largest protest in American history. I mean, these are people who are standing up and giving voice to a cause that aligns with our values. And yet in that same four period during Gus's tenure as our chair, we've lost 50,000 registered Democrats. Democrats in Massachusetts. Um, we can't win races if we're not inspiring people who even believe what we believe. Um, so I think we've, we've you know, I, I supported Gus on the second ballot last time around, I'll be honest, even four years ago. Um, I thought that our party should have a a spokesperson at the face of the party um, that was not yet another old straight white man. Um, so Steve Comkins got my ballot, my first ballot uh, vote. Um, the reason I declined so many attempts to draft me to run this time was the same belief that we should have uh, a non-white straight old man as the, the party chair. And uh I'm running with a commitment that uh, the person who replaces me will not look like me. Um, I think we need to build the bench. Uh, We need to do that not just for the party chair, but for offices across the the Commonwealth. I mean, we have one woman of color in the in the State Senate. We only have 11 executives who are women across the state, you know, mayors or or the like. So we have a lot to do, and Bob has mentioned the fundraising. Uh, It has been a problem. Gus and I have talked about this. Uh, When he first took office, I explained, as I did to previous chairs, that we as a party um, have to to develop new approaches to raising money. It's not just about twisting arms. It has to be about inspiring people. It has to be giving people a reason, a cause, a mission uh, to, to invest in. And that's the ticket. Uh, this is, I mean, from from years of fundraising experience, I've, I've raised almost $25 million for Democrats and, and for nonprofit organizations. You have to give somebody a reason if you're asking them to part with their hard-earned money. And that's my vision for the, the future of the party, is a party that is more than just electing Democrats to offices. It's about realizing our... Uh, platform. It's about living up to the promises we make. It's about achieving the the vision we have for the Commonwealth. And it's about contrast. I mean, elections are all about contrast. And this is what we failed to do. I mean, the reason Charlie Baker, as Bob noted, was considered the most popular governor in America is because the Democratic Party was not providing ample contrast, barely providing any contrast. If we're going to if we're going to defeat Charlie Baker or Karen Polito or whomever the next Republican is running for governor, um, we have to provide a a different and contrasting vision to the future of of Massachusetts. And we have to highlight the differences in our approach in every single decision that the governor makes. You cannot wait for our nominee to try and do that in the last two months of a four year term or a, a four year cycle. So I'd like Uh, to
0: dig in a little bit more on the fundraising piece. But first, um, Bob and Mike have just uh, had some harsh criticisms of your record, Gus. Do you want to take a moment to defend your record?
1: Sure. I mean, uh, you know, I will uh, significantly disagree with a couple of points. I mean, when you look at the member registrations, we've actually uh, had more people registered Democrat than the Republicans did over time. Um, He's also factoring in a purge of the voter file where there was a significant drop in voter registration numbers. Um, I also think that that's a reflection of, you know, the we can't compare apples to oranges. We have to see what's happening. And during this period of time, uh, we had a very um, horrible president in the White House. We had a governor who was Uh, And the two most consequential elections of our lifetimes decided to blank and basically not stand up for the people of Massachusetts, but also give people a lead that, that, you know, maybe parties weren't important. So when it comes to the number of people we need to register in the Democratic Party by winning the governor's office and 2022, I think that that will be, you know, the greatest jump in voter registration we've seen for the Democratic Party in a long, in a long time. When it comes to fundraising, uh, all three of us have had a tremendous amount of fundraising experience. Um, you know, I've fundraised uh, for the party for over 28 years and fundraising relates to the challenge at hand. So, Uh, Part of the problems that we've had recently is we haven't had, you know, necessarily close close races. I raised money for the party in 2010 and 2012 and 2016 when I was part of campaigns and those races were within four points or six points. And so we were able to raise four and six million dollars for those races over the past uh, three years, three and a half years, and including this year, we're going to average raising three to four million for the party. Um, But when you look at the U.S. Senate race this year and our congressional races, the average victory was over 30 points between the Democrat and the Republican, and we sent a complete Democratic delegation to D.C. So you're going to see that we actually provided a significant amount of legislative support, uh, both monetarily and on the ground. And where I disagree with Bob is, you know, we actually have put together incredible trainings and field efforts um, that have really helped us. And again, you just look at the success as to the victories that we have, but I also want to say we've done those in ways that have also moved forward when we've, you know, reached out for legislation, whether it be the Roe Act or whether it be the Millionaires Tax, or uh, pushing people forward or actually helping the organizations they talked about facilitate the rallies that they put forward. Um, so. You know, there uh, we've had a tremendous amount of success. Uh, There is absolutely, you know, I look forward to the charge uh, in in doing better, but uh, you know, and I know that we can.
0: So on that fundraising point, since 2017, despite the enormous passion in Massachusetts that we've seen opposing the president, the Democratic Party raised about $2.5 million based on your campaign finance filings, which is less than the Republican Party raised during that time and less than Democrats raised in the prior four-year period. Mike, you're a deputy treasurer to the party. Why is fundraising so low and how are you going to improve it?
3: Yeah, it's coming back to what I said just a little while ago. The fact of the matter is we don't give people a good reason to, to donate or contribute or in what I would describe as investing in the party. I mean the reality is we have, and as I have been saying, for 10 years we lack a mission. We lack a purpose, as a stated purpose as a party. And when when some people say no, we do have that, they suggest that our mission is to elect Democrats. That's not our mission. That is a tactic. And unfortunately we've we've treated it as a mission. and what that means is that, our ask of people is to invest in us so we can elect Democrats. When the smart investor says, well, why do I need the Democratic party for that? I'm, I'll, I'll invest in the Democrats I want to elect. Uh, and that's what happens. People give to candidates. I mean, just looking at this, at this recent cycle, uh, Massachusetts is third in the country uh, in terms of money raised, uh, and we, we raised like 189, almost 190 million dollars. Uh, so there are people here who believe in our values. There are people here who have uh, the resources, whether it's high dollar or low dollar. Um, the reality is they just don't see the party uh, as the the place to invest. And by bringing a mission and living up to that mission and holding um, ourselves accountable to delivering the platform that we as a party put forward is, is all reason to give to the party. It's not just about electing Democrats. I mean, the fact of the matter is we've had what we call right. the most progressive platform uh, and for three years it has sat idle, collecting dust. Uh, Gus is right, we've added a few seats, you know, flipped a few uh, legislative seats but we now have 80% control in the House, 90% control in the Senate, and we still can't get our platform through the legislature. So we're not giving people reason to invest in us, and that has to change. If we're, We cannot expect people to stand with us if we're not willing to stand up ourselves.
0: And Bob, I know that you have made a similar critique of Gus arguing that it doesn't matter how many seats Democrats hold in the legislature if the legislature can't pass the things that are in the party platform, things like the Roe Act.
2: I I think the uh, party needs a complete rethink. And one of the things I object to is how this whole election is being run. In the past, there have been multiple forums, a chance for candidates to be heard from, a recruiting of wider candidates. This one was about to just slide through uh, without any real consideration. And uh, Gus, I think it's unfortunate that you ran around and talked to a lot of people and told them you were running without mentioning anybody else was running. So. You know, that's just not the way you choose a future. We have no real idea where we're going. I'm about to uh, release a plan that has 10 specific action plans for things that we can do. Um, so, you're, I mean, Mike is right in that we win elections, we win elections, but it's a little like the Sorcerer's Apprentice where we just keep doing the same thing. But we're not making progress. We're not educating uh, the, the grassroots. We're, our, our town committee structure is uh, sort of falling apart. We're not addressing the core issues that have been revealed Uh, as part of COVID, uh, Black Lives Matter, the um, economic inequality, the breakdowns in our educational and healthcare system, climate change. We have been uh, embarrassingly uh, far behind on climate change as a party. Uh, Gus specifically has rejected attempts to move that forward and thus alienated thousands of young people who want to participate but don't see that the party is the right place and then on the question of money i want to come back money follows ideas we need exciting ideas and mike you know just as a point of that could help me out you've talked about how many millions you've raised the number goes up every time we talk i'd like to know actually where you raised the money i'd be happy to share where i've done that and i also don't see how you can possibly achieve all these bold things with Doing it as a half-time job, so you know, I think Gus has had a shot, and Mike would be uh, more credible if he was willing to work full-time on this. Uh, we need change. We need to improve the existing party and make and strengthen it so that we're ready to meet the. Uh, the challenge of 2022. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm the person, the party has got many factions now. I think I have strong connections into all the different factions. And I think I could move us forward, stop the squabbling, stop the complaining and the accusations, and build us together so that we can win that corner office. Massachusetts should be a, a political and intellectual uh, leader across the country, as it has been in the past. It's not playing that role now. And that's partly because we're not willing to reexamine what we do in the light of the evolution of history. American history is in a new place. And uh, you know, many of us hope for a complete blowout against Trump. We're still hoping that uh, Vice President Biden will win. but there's going to be a huge amount of work that's going to require a rethinking of the party across every major, major category.
0: So I'm going to bring this back to Gus in a minute, but first, Mike, do you want to take a minute and answer that question about how you plan to take this uh, role part-time? I know Gus is doing it full-time and Bob has also said he would do it full-time. You obviously still have your job at Weeding Cities.
3: Yeah, I I actually, since since I've joined the party and John Walsh was chair at the time, uh, and he was the person we made an exception for to uh, be the first person that was a full-time chair. Um, The the chair once received a stipend. It, it has gone from 5,000 to 25 to 50 to 75 to 100. Gus, I don't know if you, I don't even know what you're currently paid right now. Um, but I believe that I'm told it's over 100,000. It's 100. Okay, so it's 100,000. So, um, I mean, f- please try and find a Democrat anywhere in Massachusetts or the country for that matter that has seen that kind of uh, wage increase uh, over the last uh, 20 years. Um, but the bigger point here is that we've only now had two full-time chairs in our party's history. Goss- you can
2: do it part-time. That's what you're mm-hmm.
3: saying. No, I know you can because that's how it was designed. That's how it was always done. And that's what separates the chair into an oversight capacity, which is what we don't have right now, which is why we're in the middle of an investigation and a scandal, which is why we, we have focused so much on the operations and not on the strategic direction of the party, which is why we've been focusing on, uh, you know, delivering long signs, but not raising the funding we need as a party or building the bench. Uh, these are the things that the chair should be thinking about. The chair should be responsible for. And that separation is critical, especially on the oversight piece. But if you're in the weeds, you do not have uh, the ability to provide the strategic direction uh, that we need. So I frankly, I think both Gus and Bob wanting to do this full time should disqualify them uh, from seeking this office.
0: And well, one you- fundamental disagreement that I'm really hearing is about the role of the party chair. Now, Gus, you seem to be on the side that The role of the party chair is getting Democrats elected, and then it's up to the legislature to decide what to do with that, to focus on getting the platform, getting democratic values passed. Do you think it's a fair critique that Democrats have not gotten enough of these progressive bills passed, or is that just not your
1: role? Yeah, I'm going to strongly disagree with that, because let's remember this platform, this very visionary, forward-thinking, progressive platform, uh, was basically created under my leadership with the three co-chairs that I created for the platform committee and I heard a tremendous amount of accolades after the convention about how open a process it was, transparent a process it was and you know for the you know sake of a convention uh, how well it worked and the product that was delivered. I think we you know I I you know I'm going to also disagree with Bob that you know when it comes to the environment I've pushed forward significantly on many different issues, and it's something I care deeply about. Um, So when it comes to the platform, it's a forward-thinking document that takes time to put forward. Um, And I think that um, we have put an incredible amount of work into rebuilding our town and ward committees. I'm also gonna disagree and say town and ward committees now are probably stronger than they have been in 10 years, just because of the amount of work I've had a staff person who's significantly just been working with them Uh, to get them uh, moving forward. I also wanna say when it comes to, you know, revisioning what it is for the party, um, when you think about what we've had to achieve in the last three years um, by uh, moving forward with trying to basically broaden the outreach of our party, which we have done a significant amount of work, uh, the diversity of the leadership uh, um, in my staff itself, Working with the organizations that both Bob and Mike had talked about, and, um, we have you know their first names, their cell numbers. We talk to them all the time. We included them in trainings that we put forward. We had a training in Roxbury Community College, of which we included them as part of the process, so that we could bring in more people that would be willing to uh, be part of the process in 2018. So you know, those are you know some of the you know the things that we work forward to, and so I completely believe that the platform is incredibly important. Part of the process. Um, I do believe that um, the one, you know, minor disagreement I have might have with Mike is that, you know, when we do, you know, get to the point that someone has become the Democratic nominee, you know, unless they've supported a Republican in the past, I think it's important that, you know, we uh, get them over the finish line and that, you know, the party should do everything they can. Uh, but I also want to push back when you look at the candidates that I have recruited, significantly recruited, um, you know, it's been a very diverse group of people that have won these elections. And I think that I also have a much stronger background. If you look at the number of people I've worked for um, and elected over my lifetime of work, um, the majority of them don't look like me. So I actually have a much stronger record when it comes to trying to break down barriers and get people into office. I haven't been a candidate primarily because my role has been trying to get people who don't look like me into office and into places of power. Uh, it's a passion of mine. I love doing it. It's frankly something that, you know, I am so happy about when I see them inaugurated. So, you know, I, the, those are some of the things I'm going to continue to do. I'm I going to say that I've worked very closely with both of these and I, uh, gentlemen. And I think that, you know, they have a lot to offer. Um, but when it comes to the next two years specifically, you know, I think that I'm best suited to lead the party.
0: And Bob, you've criticized the party for not doing enough to attract young Democrats and racially diverse Democrats. What would you do differently?
2: Well, I mean, first of all, you have to radiate a sense of openness. And uh, unfortunately, and by the way, before I go there, I just want to say I respect the work that Gus does uh, winning elections. I mean, he is good at that. Uh, he's a good... Uh, campaign operative, uh, political director. I don't think he's necessarily has the breadth of vision for the full chair role as you were referring to, but I I think we should recognize um, achievement where it exists. But the problem is that just getting elections won Uh, is very, is only one piece of the puzzle. So to come to your question, first of all, I've had my own experience, and certainly after calling people, I've had an earful of people who said, I came to Gus, I suggested this, I wanted to be involved in this, I said I could find the resources and he just wasn't interested. So there's a kind of tone that's been set um, and, you know, Gus, I'm sorry if this is new to you as feedback, but many people say that you just don't listen to young people. You don't welcome their ideas, whether it's high school, the high school Dems or the college Dems or the uh, young Democrat. They, they feel like they're being told to wait for another couple generations. And the problems we face today are going to hit them in the face like a sledgehammer. So they do not understand the lack of urgency, fundamentally, the lack of respect. You know, the, the campaign that I'm running right now has more than 50 people working on it on Slack. And they flooded to it, and they're working together as a group. So it's partly a tone, but then specifically, uh, you know, I'm. Gonna, I we don't have time here, but I'm about to lay out a detailed plan for the town committees for uh, uh, recruiting, training, and empowering young people. We do have training sessions. We need more of them. We need them to be videotaped. We need them to be spread out and turned into the mechanisms that young people use through the media that they use. Um, I also <laughs> want to tackle racism head on. You know, I have a deep background in addressing uh, racial difference. Uh, I was involved in the anti-apartheid movement, wrote a book on South Africa. I've been seeking racial justice my whole life. And uh, I believe we could have a kind of truth and reconciliation conversation in the party to help break through some of the long-standing suspicions or incapacity to move forward.
0: So before we wrap up, I do want to get in one question to Gus on the investigation that Mike referred to a minute ago, which is, The party has pledged its independent investigation into allegations that the UMass Amherst College Democrats tried to plant false accusations about sexual impropriety by Holyoke Mayor Alex Morse in order to hurt his campaign against Representative Richard Neal. Uh, More than 500 Democrats signed a letter um, asking asking for Gus's removal from your party position because of how you handled these allegations. Will the report be released before the election of a new party chair? Do it, you believe it will clear you of involvement in the ANTS event?
1: Um, first of all, I it is an independent group which I put together within 24 hours of people, with less than 24 hours of people uh, that asked for it. So um, I am hoping. Uh, I hope it will be out before this podcast airs. So yes, um, I, you know, it's very important to me that it gets out because I also believe it will clearly lay out um, how, you know we played no and i played no role um it actually gets back to one of bob's points you know these people actually have my cell phone number they have my email address and they reached out to me to speak i didn't know what they wanted to talk about so i took the phone call luckily i was smart enough to say well can i give Veronica martinez on the phone so both of us got on a call with four of them because they do believe that i'm willing to listen and, and reach out to them within less than you know 30 minutes or so we knew we couldn't be involved so we Recognize that they needed help, recognized we couldn't do it, told them that, you know, this is something we can't be involved with, but quite clearly they're asking for help. Um, So let us talk to lawyers. And so, which we did the next morning at 10 a.m. And then by 3 p.m. the next day, we passed on the contact information for the lawyer. And from that point forward, I had nothing to do with it. So um, it does come back to, you know, frankly uh, being open and transparent and accessible and something that, you know, I'm gonna agree with Bob I think you do need to be, I mean, I wouldn't feel any differently. I think you do need to be a full-time chair to do this job effectively. You know, it was a pay cut for me, but it's more of a passion. And um, it's something that, you know, I feel, you know, I think that all three of us care deeply about, you know, what we are trying to achieve. And I know that, you know, this is, something, you know, I love doing and, and you know, believe I am making a difference for other people. So um, I believe the report uh, will be out by the time this podcast comes out, although you know, I don't know that to be fact. Um, I also know that it will um, show that we were not involved.
3: Can I just say something about this? So I think... First of all, um, we, we as a committee have been somewhat misled in terms of a deadline for this, this report. We were originally told 45 days. It's now more than two weeks past that. We have just over a week before this election. So I feel like there's a real issue here. But beyond that, um, I, I, I don't understand why this didn't automatically go to the judicial council. Instead, it was a hand-picked group by Gus who was under investigation. Uh, they chose someone who I know personally and have tremendous respect for, but who also has very significant ties to every party involved in this investigation. So is anything but independent. Um, this is, I, I, I mean, the real issue I have here, whether this is guilty or innocent, that's that's besides the point. I see this as damaging to our party in the sense that the, for those who believe that Gus and Veronica, acted inappropriately. I don't see how they can possibly accept a report that says anything different when it has been so um, undermined by the lack of independence and and the heavy hand that leadership has had in forming the committee. Let's let's,
1: let's just stop there. The, the, The leadership has had no heavy hand I am as frustrated as you that the report was not done. But wait, you you you
3: picked. You you need to reread.
1: You need to reread the charter and recognize what the role of the judicial council is because this is not the role of the judicial council. And to try to achieve what we needed to achieve quickly, which is what I was hoping to do, um, you look at the leadership of your party. And so I, you know, looked at three people that you know were two vice chairs and the head of the personnel committee, and appointed them. So. and from that point, from the point that they were appointed, I've had no contact or any, you know, talking. So, again, I I can't, you know, speak to why the report wasn't done in 45 days. But,
3: but, but Gus, you, you say that, but yet all the communications that have come out about this go through the party email, which, which you and Veronica control. Anyway, okay.
1: No, no, we, don't, no we, don't. we don't. Mike, we don't control that. Just so you're very clear, we don't we don't see it before it goes out. We were asked by the head of the independent committee if they could deal with a staff person, which was one of our staff people, and know that that person wouldn't talk to us. So let's okay,
0: I think we're getting in the weeds here, and okay. definitely time to wrap this up. Um, you can read a lot more on CommonwealthMagazine.org. We look forward to hearing more out of the uh, party's chair race next this week. Um, Massachusetts Democratic Party Chair Gus Bickford, Challengers Mike Lake and Bob Massey. Thank you for joining me on the podcast.
3: Thank you, Shira. Thank you.